So pretty big week this week, I would say. Um, Trent Stout, Stout Seed here with Mitch Hora, um, Continuum Ag LLC. You guys know the drill. You know where to find us. Um, Friday fighter. We got to get quick. Oh yeah. By the way. Um, so, you know, my thing is, is I've, I've been bombarded since we did that. We did a piece on direct marketing. If you haven't listened to that, you can find that. I think week week one or two, um, but we did a piece on direct marketing. I've been getting just a tremendous amount of feedback from that. I always say tremendous, I need a new verb. Um, a lot of feedback on that. And so, my advice is this if you're out there if you're thinking about this i think direct marketing it, it does play into what we talked about this week with china in that when you start layering the enterprises on your farm and i'm not saying here's an, okay when you start laying the enterprises on your farm you and you're selling direct to the consumer you are less reliant on foreign markets it doesn't make a bit as big of a deal on you know proposed tariffs and so forth and so on you control your destiny so much more than trade policy Okay, because you're creating your own market in essence. Okay, so I think that that's important to understand. Number one, number two, um, where you know the other thing is, is that you are in control of the marketing aspect of that. So you're not paying. You know, you're giving. What's the stat on grain right now? Like you, the farmer retains like 17 cents out of the dollar for what he, you know, on every bushel. And that might be high. I don't even remember what that was. An insane amount. They keep such a small amount of the portion of what it retails at, right? Because you're giving up the logistics, the marketing, and and you're giving up 90 percent in the packaging and so forth and the inventory and you, you know. But when you're giving that up you're essentially giving up premium right you're giving up potential. potential profit for someone else to do this for you yeah and so i just think that is in the, the you know you've heard me say this so the, the internet's changed the game the internet has won right and you can take control of a lot of that for free anymore you know, it's just about taking the initiative and doing. And, um, you know, I saw that Michael Vito, who was a, you know, a, a uh, uh, interviewee of us, uh, to, not not this week, but the week before, um, he just went live. Long Creek Pastures. Um, look that up. We'll try and cue that up uh, for him on our, on our Twitter page and Facebook page. But um, he just went live. He's a year from market, um, but he's starting to sell his story, starting to talk about what he's doing. And I think that it's something that, that the consumer can resonate with. And um, in, in essence, he's going to be able to retain more of that dollar by, by, by taking that on himself and those efforts. And, um, you know, I hope I wish him the best in, in what he's trying to do. But um, so so there's a tremendous amount of opportunity out there then where you can take control of a lot of this stuff that we've been giving up in the past because the Internet has changed that and how you can reach people and how fast you can reach people and the way that you can reach people. And so I think that there's just a tremendous amount of opportunity. Guys, here's the other thing. I am not a practitioner, okay? So I, I'm not a direct marketer myself. My family does has been rooted in direct marketing of produce for, you know, better on 15, almost 20 years now. Um, so I've lived it. I've seen it. I've seen what layering enterprises on your farm, that you know, in the income that you can make doing that um, and taking that on. 
and and it's 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 good you know i mean it's worth your efforts it's work it's a lot of work to do it um but you know there's a you can make a living doing it which is nice um and that's more to be said than you know some uh, some places where we're at with modern agriculture right now where you're just basically enslaved to a yeah right um but i am not talking about changing your operation so if you have confinement hogs right now that market will exist yeah i'm not saying that this is a this this is revolutionary and you need to change your whole operation all i'm saying is is that buying some hogs to pasture them to meet a different demand and different need to layer a different enterprise in your operation to go after a different premium um which when we look at the grand scale of things, when we're talking about regenerative agriculture and having where we've taken all the pastures out, we've put it all into cropland, using your cover crops to be able to go after a, a crop premium with a regenerative agriculture, which you're also using then in that off year where you're not growing corn and you're not growing soybeans to graze cattle and graze hogs and, and chickens and bring livestock back to the, the operation, which you can then direct market for another premium. It's all tied together. I think it's about capturing that first dollar and then, you know, the wheels turn and you say, well, if I'm already doing this, I might as well do this. I might as well do this. And, and, you know, and like I said before, you know, like when we started selling, when we started with our produce markets, uh, we started with sweet corn. And then the customer said, oh, well, you know, can you guys also get tomatoes? Can you also get watermelon? Can you also do, you know, I'm pretty soon we was like, okay, well, we just go, you know, the neighbor grows that stuff and buy that. Sure, I got a guy, he grows it, and you bring it. And then pretty soon it's like, well, I got a demand for it, so now I'll just do it. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a linear thing. It, it's, it's an addition to what you're already doing. Right. It's not a replacement. No. It's just about how can I get livestock back to the farm, yeah. and how can I do it where I can capture a premium? It'll be profitable. And, and then when I capture the premium there, how can that lead to more premiums right. down the road, right? That's all that we're, we're promoting. Um, I'm definitely not saying go open the confinement doors and just let the hogs out, right? Like, like I've heard that, you know, and it's like, that's not what I'm talking about. No. You know, if you have cattle and you have feed, feeder lots, great. Yeah. But maybe six, start small, four, six bread heifers. Yeah. And, you know, try to do something else with a different rotation in which you can capture capture that premium market and then start building, right? Nice. So so that's my Friday uh, fire uh, topic. Um, I'm really passionate about direct marketing. I'd love to hear your comments. If you're direct marketing, I would love to hear your story. I'd love to get you on the show. I'd love to have you come in here and tell other people you have a valuable story. If you're if you're doing this with success, and there are a lot of people out there doing this with success, we would love to highlight that for you. So please contact us. We'd love to get you in here, get you get your story out, get you, you know get you a little bit of advertising um, for your efforts, and uh, we just love to promote your story and what you're doing. What well, you know, Mitch? So my my whole deal boils back to okay, all of these pieces that we talked about starts with the soil. How do we better assess that? We've been doing a ton of the Haney soil health test again. Um, did over a thousand of them last year, almost all right here in Southeast Iowa. And so now we're doing them all the time. So we were out today pulling soil samples and we're pulling soil samples all the time. Um, filming this, you know, early part of the week. So 
we're pulling soil samples weekly in some of my spots. So traditional soil samples are pulled once every four years would be pretty common practice for guys around here. I've got a couple farms this year where I will pull soil samples 40 times this year. That's nuts. 40 times that we're going to pull soil samples from the same spots over and over and over. And the whole thing is trying to figure out, understand the dynamic system and that the soils are continuously changing that here in Southeast Iowa, we've had snow, we've had warmth, we've had rain, like things are crazy weather right now. We're nearing the middle of, of April and we still have super cold soil temperatures. So trying to evaluate what is going on with our nutrients below ground? How is the weather influencing the biology and the biology influencing the nutrient cycles? So that way we can utilize the nutrients that are coming available in the soil. We can be more efficient with those nutrients and we can be more profitable on our bottom dollar. So um, kind of my talk on today that, so we're doing these samples all the time, all throughout the year. That's obviously not something that's super scalable. It's not something that makes monetary sense. It's for research doing that on my own stuff and on a couple key, you know, farmers that I'm working with. So what I want to talk about is when do I do soil sampling? How do I kind of do it? How do I get the most bang for my buck with soil sampling and what I'm looking at, especially with the, with the Haney test, but even with our, our traditional methods of soil sampling, I want to know what is available to the plant when the plant actually needs nutrients. And that's in the spring, but even more so getting into the summer and to rapid growth stages. So it's harder to get soil samples pulled then. It takes a lot more work and we need to I think we can get that correlated back to earlier parts of the year when it is easier to get soil samples pulled, but we got to do a lot of work there. So that's where we're pulling samples multiple times throughout the year to assess if I pull a sample at planting time or two weeks before planting time or two weeks before side dress. If I take a sample two weeks before a nutrient application, I need to understand what happened in my soil leading up to that point and what is still going to happen afterwards. So when I get a nutrient recommendation back from the lab that says, okay, you want to produce 240 bushel corn, you need X amount of nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium. I need to know, okay, what is the lab saying that I need compared to what is going on in my soil? How much do I still have tied up in my cover crop? How much do I have I tied up in residue? How much have I actually applied already on my own? <clears throat> what is my fungal to bacteria ratio? There's a lot of different things to understand in here's what I have today, what will still come available. And that's what we're trying to learn. So in order to do that, taking soil samples, take those soil samples when you are assessing the soil, you need to assess what do I want to learn and make sure that you are sampling in a consistent method that gives you the best look into what I want to learn, which is, okay, my crop is actually getting growing. So what nutrients are sitting there in the root zone actually available to the crop? What is that crop actually seeing today? Tissue samples, of course, are a good way to look at that as well, but we need to evaluate in the soil. What is the plant seeing today? How does the soil nutrients correlate to the plant nutrients? Are there some issues there? Things don't match up the right way. We're doing a lot of work with that. So take that soil sample in the spring, evaluating what you want to see. Where's my nitrogen at? Where's my phosphorus at? What about my micronutrients? Do I have what I need available to the plant when I need it? 
and making sure that it's good soil conditions as well. But because things change and are going to change year to year, keep track of those parameters. So keep track of soil temperature and moisture and as many parameters as you can think of. Keep track of when I made those nutrient applications, what the weather was like. Um, So we're using models to look at weather, but we're also using in-ground sensors and handheld tools as well to assess temperature. So keep track of that stuff and we will continue to learn about the dynamic system, learn about soil health and nutrients, and get a better understanding of what is going on below the ground and how do we optimize it for our own benefit. That's what we're going for. Topsoil Podcast. Look <laughs> yeah. us up. Send us some feedback. Um, you can look us both up individually. We appreciate the week. Fourth final week. Absolutely. Or fourth full fourth week. week. Yeah. So we've been doing this for a month. Wow. That's insane. Thank you so much for your support. Give us some feedback. Tell us what to talk about, and uh, we'll catch up with you guys next week. Thanks.